0: Starting this fall, amazing local educators will be recognized with the launch of Superior Educators. This collaboration between several local school personnel and the Portage Health Foundation is meant to celebrate the people who make our area schools a great place to learn and grow. All educators at K-12 public schools in Barraga, Potent, Keweenaw, and Ottenagan Counties are eligible,
1: including bus drivers, teachers, support staff, and more. Nominate a Superior Educator you know at superioreducators.org.
0: Welcome into Capra Country Today, I'm Grant Ducetto. This program brought to you by the Portage Health Foundation. You can learn more about them at phfgive.org. My guests, Major Michael Farley and First Sergeant Mark Powell of the Calumet JROTC program. I guess we'll start this particular conversation with just kind of the basics. How many students are taking part in the JROTC program up in Calumet High School and What percentage are looking to have a military career, or do they have other aspirations as well? Uh, We have about 90 cadets this year,
2: and that's pretty typical. It runs between, I'd say, 80 and 100 normally. And um, not that many kids are interested in in the military. Um, Our mission is really not about military service, it's about citizenship. I would say, on average,
0: maybe 10% or less are interested in military service. I think when people hear JROTC, they think of time commitment. What are the demands placed on students in the program? Is it an hour a day, or is it more of a weekly goal that you have to meet? Well, that's, uh, yeah. Um,
2: (laughs) I get that question a lot. People have asked me, is is that a full-time job? Like, well, yeah, it's pretty much a full-time job. Uh, We have five classes a day, uh, just like all teachers have. And uh, we have before school and after school programs. So a minimum commitment from a student would be their normal class hour, just one hour a day. But we have kids that are involved in a lot of other activities, like for example, Mark runs Raiders. Raiders is a physical fitness outdoor sports class, and that starts at 6.30 in the morning. So if a student's in, in Raiders, then they go to school all day, then they might be in J-Lab, and then we actually have uh, robotics after that. So. You'd be a- after school from two thirty to 5, and then after that, from 5 to 6.30 for robotics. And then after that, we have color guards, which usually happen around 7 to 7.15. So it could be an- a very long day for us and for a student.
0: And obviously, in between, they're going to their normal six or seven hours a day as far as actual high school class. Right, yeah. Then they have their normal course load, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it just for high school
2: students, or do you have a middle school program as well? We don't have a middle school program, although uh, some schools are starting middle school programs right now. Our middle school program is going to be focused on uh, robotics right now. So right now, we loan our robotics equipment to uh, Carol Whiteman, and she's also the chemistry teacher at school. And she's teaching seventh grade robotics, VEX robotics. And next year, she's going to be teaching uh, or coaching eighth grade robotics, which will also be sponsored
0: by ROTC. As far as the different programs, whether it be robotics, J-Lab, etc., is there one in particular that most students find to be, we'll call it the most enjoyable, the most anticipated, or do you find that there's a healthy interest in all of them?
2: You know, everybody's got some, something different. Some of the kids are really physical. Uh, I think probably the one they enjoy most that's most active is Mark's Raider program.
1: Maybe yeah, Mark, so. you
0: can talk a little bit about that program?
1: Absolutely, um, you know, when I first got hired and started working with Major Farley. You know, we he kind of showed me the ropes and told me he wanted me to take over the program. And it's been one of the most beneficial things for me personally, as well as with the cadets. But, you know, we meet three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 6.30. And we do our physical fitness regimen well, is directly related to the next, the next big event that we have. But we focus on strength, endurance, and, you know, just outdoor skills. It's been one of the most robust programs that we have and i i, I would think that, that would continue like if you would have asked me before i took this job <laughs> yes yeah kids are going to come to and work out with you at 6 30 in the morning i would have thought you're nuts but they do mm-hmm. they do do it and then they enjoy it and they get school credit for it and i think i don't think they do it for the school credit although it does help their gpa i mean if they're there and they're putting forth an effort they're gonna they're gonna get a good grade obviously but i think it just gets them in a good routine and i think it wakes them up for for school so i mean those are some of the secondary benefits right there <laughs> They're ready to go first hour. They're not, you know, all tired and still trying to, you know, get the cobwebs out of their head.
0: Now, if they're coming in at 6.30 in the morning, that's before the buses are running, I'm assuming. So they would have to arrange for their own transportation. It really does require some maturity.
1: It does. I mean, maturity, dedication, the parents have to support it or however they get there. Some walk. Some students live close enough to walk to the school to do it. I'm impressed by their their dedication. Mm -hmm. To me, it's just like, it's a habit for me to exercise. So it's... It's exciting to see young people dedicate themselves to something like that and and form good habits and hopefully those habits really last them into their adulthood, really that's the goal. Like just form good habits now and and, and keep it going.
0: Now something like the Arctic Raider program, is that available over the summer at all? Is there a way to get to it when you're not in school?
1: Well Arctic Raider is specifically just a one day event. Mm -hmm. Um, We plan for it in the fall. We do it every year, we host every year and it's a uh, snowshoe biathlon. It's a it's in sled pull, like they pull a sled, and then they do a, uh, a cross-country litter rescue, so they put, you know, to simulate like a casualty. So we're only able to do that once a year. I think um, we go to other raider competitions, but I think ours is pretty unique in that, you know, given our environment here and in the, in the snow, and, and we, get, we get schools from Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Minnesota. And downstate Michigan. You know, Arctic Raider is like right in the middle of the year and then we're, we're going to focus on going to a Flint Raider competition in the spring. So it's, it's a year-long process.
0: Now do you get schools from that wide swath of the Midwest because of the conditions, the uniqueness of the actual event, or do you think that
1: they would come up regardless? No, I definitely think it's because it's unique. And you know, we get JRTC schools, we get public schools, we get like a private school that comes. From minneapolis i think the word on the street within the brigade is certainly there within cadet command and i just think because it's so unique schools from illinois came and then you know they don't get the snow that we get anywhere but you know they come up here and they enjoy the environment and you should see the look on their faces when they see the snow like when they when that bus pulls up and they see our snow banks they're like oh my goodness this is pretty amazing
0: i remember when i was going to tech they do the baja competition the yeah. the kind of off-road racers and they had a team come up from Georgia Tech and it was the middle of February it was right after winter carnival was done and it was a blizzard outside and it was probably low single digits <laughs> with a negative wind chill and as you can imagine um, I had a roommate who was part of the team for Michigan Tech and he was telling me that uh, it got quite the reaction from the Georgia Tech kids because oh, sure. a lot of those kids have never seen snow ever so right. I can imagine even when you're talking um Illinois and downstate Michigan if you haven't seen what we get up here you've never seen it before it's not something you can really comprehend until you've actually been involved with something that's happening here in the winter time for sure and uh Major, maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the other programs. We've spent some time with the Arctic Raider program, the physical fitness. You got the J-Lab competition. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about what that is. And I believe you're going down to Washington, D.C. in the not-too-distant future for it.
2: Yes. um, You know, we kind of like to refer to Raiders and J-Lab as sort of the bookends of the program. So on the the front end, in the mornings, you have physical fitness, outdoor sports, and the uniqueness of that is that it's a before school class, but it's still offered for credit. And then uh, JLab is kind of the same. You could also get J-Lab credit. It's elective credit, but it's pretty much college preparatory stuff. J-Lab is two different teams. One team focuses on the JROTC curriculum, the leadership curriculum. And um, the students have to study four-year leadership curriculum and be ready by November for their first online exam. Uh, the other one is uh, SAT, ACT preparation materials that we use for that. And it's all about core curriculum, core academic subjects, you know, math, English, science, and so forth. This is the first year that we've had both teams going to, to DC. JLab, or variants of JLab, have been going on since around 2004. We've been there on the leadership side on the ROTC curriculum because it's kind of, it's finite. It's something that we can really you know dig into. The students work super hard at it. They come they're after school, you know, at least three days a week working on that and. The academic stuff is pretty hard. I joking around, said the kids, uh, I look at the math questions because they they flash up on the screen, and it looks like uh, either something from outer space or maybe hieroglyphics. I don't know. Uh, uh, it's really complicated. So You got to uh, call
0: in the, the tech students. They can help you. Yeah,
2: well, uh, fortunately <laughs> for us, we have a very robust academic curriculum. And uh, even though, you know, I would, I would say the academic component of JLab is kind of like rounding out something that you might have missed in a class. But without the the strong teachers that we have and the strong curriculum we have, we wouldn't be competitive. I went down I talked to uh, Coach Crows earlier, uh, or actually it was last week, and I said, hey, we have to thank you for, uh," and the other teachers, of course, but him in particular, because without him, I'm not sure they would have got where they needed to get to on the math component. So, uh, And looking at them, the way that they interacted with each other to solve those equations was pretty impressive, very impressive. Just to give you an idea about the level of competition, though, uh, there were, I think, 1,940 teams competing in the initial round of competition back in November. And that is whittled down to 32 teams on the academic side, going to Washington DC so we're one of 32 teams nationally and internationally that get to go to this on the academic side and on the leadership side it was about 1700 schools and we're one of the top 40 so we'll go out to DC and we'll sort it out from there.
0: So as far as the winnowing process what did that look like what did each team have to do to you mentioned that there was obviously some math problems involved, but is it like a one day where you're going over various academic subjects or is it something where you get the questions and maybe you have weeks or even months to work uh, on it? On the,
2: on the leadership side, we have all of the curriculum and then they have a, a question base of probably around 10,000 questions that you could be asked. You know, It's a little bit more finite than the academic one. The academic one, there are no pre-loaded questions there's nothing there's just academic subjects and you have to know as much as you can about all of them that's why i say i give credit to the teachers because uh, they've taught the kids so well that they're competitive at a national level academically and uh, we take tests. I mean, in training, we take we have Khan Academy that we use for you know for various subjects. We take March to Success is an Army thing similar to Khan Academy. Uh, we have ACT SAT prep books that we use, and so they just they, they just study that. And then uh, our team commander on the academic side, Gabe King Takas, loves math. So uh, every day I go in there and see him just grilling him on math. So. Uh, yeah, they, they're just studying as if they were studying to take the SAT, and that's that's what got us there. Now when we get out there, it's a little different. It's like a quiz bowl. Okay. So once you get out there, then we're working with Mr. Torilla, because he's a quiz bowl coach, and they're quite successful. So he's giving us some materials to study.
0: So it goes from an individual kind of test where you're basing it by team, but it's based on individual performance to something that's more of a cooperative type of setting.
2: Well, actually, um, the. The training is is like we're in, in a group, like in a class, and they're taking individual evaluations at that point, but when they take the test, it's all the, all six of them get to answer the question at the same time. So they can conspire. So the math question will flash up on the screen. All six of them can conspire to answer that question gotcha. for, the, for the actual competition. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, before we get to the robotics section of things, can somebody be a part of, say, the physical education or the J Lab without being part of the ROTC program as a whole, or do you have to commit to everything?
2: Well, we would prefer that they be in ROTC, but it isn't always required. And we've, we've allowed kids to come into uh, Raiders, for example, that weren't in ROTC uh, except through that program. Uh, we have a cooperative on robotics with Mr. Wario and the, the first robotics team, the Copperbots, and so I think uh, eight of 11 kids are ROTC cadets, So, uh, but there are some kids in that, and, and that have been in that before we established our cooperative that are not in ROTC. Uh, we have a choir cooperative with Mr. Ryuta, our, our school choir director, and uh, the majority of them are, are, are ROTC, but not all. So... Um, there is there is a home for you uh, in some of our special programs, even if you're not directly in the ROTC program and, as a class.
0: And those numbers, do they count towards the 90 students that you mentioned earlier, or no. the 90? Everything. All, no, they don't. All phases. If you're not in an ROTC, uh, but you're involved in a program, you're not counted in our numbers, no. Gotcha. And maybe we can talk about robotics. I'm thinking of the old BattleBots TV show that was fairly popular when I was probably in, in the high school uh, age. Is that what we're talking about, or what are we? what's the goal of the competition? Or does it change each year? Well, the, the goal
2: of, of an actual robotics competition does change each year, at least in, in terms of the, the competition itself. I think the goal of the program remains the same. The goal of the program is uh, to get kids interested in STEM you know, in, in uh, you know, developing and building and, and, and programming robots. The first robotics program run by Mr. Wario, I mean, they're creating robots from scratch. So you get a, they have a reveal, they say this is what the robot needs to do, and then these kids come together and they decide what that's gonna look like. I mean, completely from their imagination to a drawing board to a physical product. And uh, I mean, I I can't say enough about them and how hard they work. Oh my gosh, those kids are in there eight, nine at night, weekends, uh, Mr. Wario too. So, um, and then the other program is called VEX Robotics, and it's a little different. Um, It's not a kit. There are kits that you can build just to get experience in building robots. It's just VEX components. So in FIRST Robotics, you can make your own, but in VEX Robotics, you have to use VEX components. So, they give you a uh, task that your robot has to accomplish. And uh, this year it's called Tipping Point. So, there's kind of like a teeter totter job that you got to put uh, goals on and you can drive your robot up there. I mean, it's, you'd have to kind of see it. But uh, you develop the robot with VEX components that will meet the requirements. So, we got started a little bit late uh, on really building a robot. So, we've only been to one full-fledged VEX robotics competition, and it was down in Wisconsin. Uh, everybody else had been there or to several competitions before that, so we were a little behind the power curve, but they still they learned a ton and uh, we're kind of excited about next year.
0: As far as the, the robotics uh, course, are they doing everything from soldering and the hands-on components of building it from scratch as well as the programming side of things?
2: Well, in VEX, um, there's no soldering. Yeah. There's some cutting and and there's you know just designing using vex components. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot of different superstructure. You've got electric motors. You've got pneumatics, and it's all block programming. So um, it's designing a robot that you think is going to do the task. In this case, you know being able to pick up goals and move them around and and put little uh, rings on the on the goals. It's kind of like a tree then program that. And so there's some autonomous programming that you have to do as well. So, but it's block programming, so it's not like they have to write their own code.
0: Mm-hmm. I would think it would be interesting with the VEX in particular in that everybody's got kind of the same base components to work with, and then you see how they configure everything to create the robot. I'm guessing it, you would think it would be very similar from team to team, but I'm guessing that they come to the competitions from different schools, and they have a very different looking machine than perhaps with, with your team. Happened to build?
2: Yeah, actually, we we had three different teams building robots, and they all came up with different designs. We only took two teams to the competition, so we took the design that was least likely to be successful and parked it to the side and took the others. Uh, But the two designs were entirely different. One of them was more of like an arm that would pick up the targets and move them around. And the other one was a conveyor system where it had a clamp and it would grab it and just lift it straight up like, a, like an elevator. So uh, yeah, even in our own school, the robots came out very different. Mm-hmm. When we got down there, uh, we got to see some very amazing looking robots. So we, we learned a lot. We were, I would say, this year sort of in the box with our thinking. But when we got to the competition, we realized that there was a huge world outside of that box that we might uh, tap into to, you know, to build different style robots next year.
0: My brother was at Purdue. He graduated from Purdue, and he eventually graduated with an accounting degree. But he started in electrical engineering, and. He loved the hands-on stuff, even when he got the soldering burns and all the rest. He loved the electrical engineering components. Hated the programming side of things. Do you get that with some of the students, where certain ones gravitate to, you know, one part of the robotic experience, and then others maybe gravitate to something else?
2: Yeah, um, I would say because I mean, really, the, the, the big uh, jobs are the building, the builders, you know, the engineers, uh, the programmers, and the drivers. So some kids, they want to drive it around they want to manipulate it more than they want to build it so you just kind of you know try and get them out of their cumbersome zone a little bit but uh, you know let them do the the part that they find most appealing and most interesting
1: it's something that
0: um as far as the students who are involved with the program do they all start as freshmen or do you get a lot who come in as sophomores juniors maybe even seniors for their first year
2: mostly freshmen In fact, we do an 8th grade orientation program Um, It consists of briefings and then we have a field day where we take the whole 8th grade for half a day and just show them what ROTC is all about. Um, Majority of the kids show up as freshmen, but every year we get a few sophomores, juniors, and seniors that uh, decide to join us.
0: Obviously, it's going to be a lot of work because you're starting early in the morning and you could potentially be going rather late at night. Is there a way to have athletes involved with the program? Do you get some football players or is that just not possible given the when practices are happening compared to when various programs are happening within the JROTC program?
1: We, we, we get a handful of athletes. Um, like Let's say, for instance, a kid plays hockey but they also want to be in Raiders. I've got two or three hockey players that are in Raiders. So they, they come to Raiders when they can. If it conflicts directly with hockey or another sport and we want them to to also you know make that commitment first right and then um so we try to play fair when it comes to that
2: yeah we what we want to do is encourage kids to get involved in athletics and make a commitment to athletics so if they're in Raiders and athletics and they just can't handle two physical practices a day then we'll give them a buy on Raiders for a while until they get done with their sport and because usually sports are seasonal you know and so uh Raiders lasts the whole school year long so they can come in and out based on their schedules. So we try and accommodate them as much as possible. But we do have a lot going on, and sometimes uh, students just have to make a decision. You know, what's most important? What do they really want to do? You know, I think that we encourage kids to get involved in the things that they're that they're most interested in. Um, I've always encouraged kids to get involved in football. Well. Mark could talk to you more about football than me because he's a <laughs> seventh grade football coach. But uh, predominantly because of the influence of the football coaches and mentors, I think Coach Crows has been a mentor to so many young men over the years. And I've always encouraged our kids to get in there because I, that's just another perfect adult male role model for those kids to be associated with. So we really encourage them to get involved in athletics and and BPA and National Honor Society and all those other things, because it's just, uh, you know, gives you a more well-rounded high school experience.
0: You mentioned that there's an eighth grade orientation. What's that like? Is it one night, like an open house type deal, or is it something more... uh comprehensive than that
1: well it's it's there's two components to our eighth grade orientation normally we we do it on a tuesday and a thursday so we have uh key cadets within our battalion that will come over to the eighth grade and give briefings so that that lasts for one day or at least half a day and then on thursday we have uh cadets and it's a leadership opportunity some of the younger cadets to be group leaders obviously we break them down in groups and you know they act as little mentors uh for that half a day. And what we'll do is a variety of tasks. We'll, we'll introduce them to PT, Raiders, Lab, Robotics, Skating Color Guard, and Major Farley even does a rappelling demonstration. So they get a nice little snapshot of what JROTC is all about, and I think that's, I think it's important for our, uh, you know, for our enrollment for ninth grade. I think without it, it we would lose some numbers for sure.
0: Obviously, we're here in Houghton, and I know that Houghton High School has a JROTC program. Is there a rivalry there, or is it more collegial in nature? And two, do you look at maybe some of the things they're doing and try and emulate it, or perhaps do they look at some of the things that you're doing and say, hey, we would like to incorporate that into our program as well?
1: Well, I would think that you know we, we are, it's a collaborative effort, honestly. Uh, require, we have a required summer camp each summer, and we have uh, Camp Keweenaw, and they attend that with us. and. They attend Arctic Raider with us, and it's more or less just working with them, and we try to collaborate. I think their program is relatively new, so it's only like their third or fourth year, and we're one of the oldest ones in the nation, so uh, they're probably working towards and working with us you know, so we can all get better.
2: And we also have another program over in Ironwood too. So there's only three in the UP right now. Although there is a push to, to get a few more programs in the area. The Army uh, considers this an underserved area in terms of JROTC, so there may be an opportunity for some other UP schools to, to get the program. What we're hoping for is that at some point we're going to have competitions, whether it's color guard or drill or rifle team or whatever, or even j and robotics, like internal within the UP. Um, instead of having to go so far, because usually we have to travel great distances to go to competitions. Like we've got a Raider competition next month, it's in Flint. You know, J-Lab is in Washington, D.C. I mean, it's, we, have to, we really have to travel. So if, if we can uh, improve our local competitions, I think it'll just make all our schools better and give our kids some things to do that don't require travel for really huge distances.
0: You mentioned that you have one of the oldest programs in the country, I believe is what you said? Correct. Um, You've probably been involved with it for a while now, Major. Not
2: not since the start, though. (laughs) No, no, no. Wasn't (laughs) suggesting
0: that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) When Houghton, for example, decides to start something up, do they consult with you as far as getting things off the ground? How does that work?
2: Mm Well, you know, we have our common programs, you know, like Raiders. I mean, there, there, there are certain common things that, that happen throughout. They've got a new senior instructor over there, Colonel Dylan Carlson. And uh, I talked to him about some of the stuff we're doing. And like robotics, for example, is pretty new. And uh, we managed to secure quite a bit of robotics equipment. So I, I said, hey, perhaps you want to just... We'll cross-level some of that and give it over to you guys so that you can establish your robotics. And, you know, we're more than willing to help any school, you know, Houghton or Ironwood, and, and also to learn from them because I know they've got some skills that you know,
0: that are probably better than us. So all in all, working together is going to make us all better. You mentioned that robotics is fairly new. Did it replace something else or was it just added on in the last couple of years? And if it did replace something else, one, what was it and what potential activities could you see coming up in the future? Well... Robotics is new. It didn't
2: replace anything. And what I've learned, this is I've been in, in this business for 25 years now. After my 21 years in the army, so, and Mark's been for like my ninth year. Ninth, ninth year after right. 22 years in the army. So what I've learned is uh, nothing ever goes away. Just more stuff gets added. Mm-hmm. So uh, and, and you know we kind of like that, but we're, we're we're struggling right now to figure out when when can we accomplish all these things. Robotics is new. It's also pretty exciting, and the kids like it. So, and it's really beneficial. The next new thing is cyber. So, we started a cyber team this year. So, cybersecurity is—I uh, it, mean, it's a—it's a big field for careers. The lieutenant governor at a recent seminar we were at said that we're like seven thousand people short in the cybersecurity arena right now. So, it's uh, good paying and. We had 14 kids that started off in that, and we've talked to Mrs. Peters about having a a cybersecurity class in addition to our extracurricular
0: stuff. That's going to be the next push is cyber cybersecurity. Major Farley and First Sergeant Powell from the Calumet High School JROTC program. Thank you very much for joining me on Capra Country today. Coming up next, I'm talking with Kelly Engel about dog sled racing. She participated in Capra Dog just a week ago.